0: Welcome back to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. In this episode, it was my pleasure to chat to my good buddy, Richie Hardcore. Richie is a former professional Muay Thai fighter, current Muay Thai coach, but more importantly, an advocate for social change. Richie works tirelessly to bring attention to issues like drug and alcohol addiction, the pornification of society, and most importantly, perhaps, to the subject of gendered violence. This was one of my favorite podcasts to record because, you know, Richie and I are well known for having some debates online, and some people think because of that that we don't like one another. The truth is the exact opposite. Uh, We're good buddies. We have been for many years. We have very robust debates, but I think as you'll see in this podcast, they're debates that are never ad hominem. They're never attacking the person. They're debating issues, and Richie is a very pragmatic voice for change. And so I think you'll really enjoy the nuances and complexities that we go into in this podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Carb Appropriate Podcast. Welcome to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Harvey. This song don't give a damn. damn. If the rhymes don't fit for the DJ quit. Yeah. This song don't give a damn. Yeah. You can't sing or dance to it, can't romance to yeah. it. This song ain't arrogant, if you don't try and buy it, nor if your radio
1: denies it. Don't care about what who got, what's cool on TV, or what spot's hot I forgot. I ain't there to evolution, but I stand for revolution. Get up, enough is enough. Hey, somebody stand up, come on.
0: All right, team, welcome back to the Cub Appropriate Podcast. Uh, today, I'm talking with my good buddy, Richie Hardcore. Hi, Claire.
1: How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm doing a million things, like I'm trying to uh, get ready to go to Melbourne this afternoon and run to the gym and yeah, life's
0: good, but hectic at the moment. Which is uh, being who you are, a lot of irons <laughs> in the fire, former professional fighter, current muay thai coach but more importantly social change advocate how how did that happen like t- tell us a little bit about your journey because we know each other relatively well yeah. but i i don't think i've ever really heard from the horse's mouth the the story and that transition from you know being a professional fighter to a radio dj to a social change advocate
1: yeah sure yeah cuz you and me met when you moved back from canada right and i was looking for some nutrition advice around making weight, which is the least fun part of fighting. <laughs>
0: and shout, out to, shout out to Rob Brown.
1: Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> Rob Brown, what's up, dude? Um, yeah, so I had all these things going on kind of simultaneously, I guess. So I was um, I was doing radio. I did radio at, like, just our little indie station here in Auckland, BFM, for, like, 15 years. And then I started doing more national radio, like I was doing the Nutter's Club on... 1zb for for a couple of years filling in talking about mental health um and at the same time i was fighting and i was also coaching in the background of that and and then i got into working in the alcohol and drug space for six years for a ministry of health funded project at orphan council so had all these things sort of concurrently and then phased out I, they would phase in and out do you know what i mean so when i when i retired from from fighting and um, the coaching went up and as obviously my own competition wasn't there anymore and then when i moved out of um working for the ministry of health uh i went into working for myself as a as an educator and keynote speaker uh and i guess consultant i know it sounds weird i'm a consultant but i I'm like, i have <laughs> i have consultancy as a zero option when i'm sending people invoices you're paying me for consultancy it's weird um but yeah so so i so I, I guess i had all these things that were interrelated uh but separate and, and yeah as i said like as one thing would drop off the other thing would would go up so i moved out of working for a, a bureaucratic organization like Auckland council where my uh to working for myself and it's way better because i'm not really designed to do too much paperwork you know like a little bit but not too much uh, and, and I'm so much happier with with, with with that. So I do contract work now for the Ministry of Social Development um, around reducing uh, gendered violence in our communities, our society. And I work for White Ribbon and um, I'm moving back to doing some group work at an organization called Shine, which is a anti-violence uh, organization here in New Zealand. Oh, so, yeah I'm,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, I'm doing some co-facilitation <sighs> there with men who are in a program to help them change because i think quite often we need to understand that um offenders have problems too and they have backgrounds too that have led them to being violent which doesn't excuse yeah. what they've done but if we want to change things we need to work with perpetrators as much as we need to work with survivors so i'm doing that and yeah and i'm in the gym every night training young fighters and training people for their own fitness and health and wellness journey and that's people from all walks of life
0: you you make a really good point there. It's something that I I discuss a lot is that there aren't excuses for the way people behave. Obviously, you don't want to excuse people's you know poor behaviour, but there are a lot of reasons for it. And I think when we ostracise people and we become too tied up with the 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 outrage against the person, we all we're almost removing culpability from ourselves and, and from society for a lot of the the situations that help to um to, to cause those problems. Yeah, man, hundred percent. I think about this more and
1: more. Like when I think about uh our mental health epidemic, not mental health epidemic, that's the wrong phrasing, our epidemic of suicide. And yeah. and, and the huge rise of uh people who have got depression and anxiety and experiencing all that. While we do have genetic components and and, and, and lifestyle components, we still live in a broader environment that we're all part of shaping, which is at least in part uh, responsible for that rise you know we're all part of society and if we want people to be better uh, with their mental health we all need to be part of changing society and it's the same when it comes to um, most problems but in this instance gendered violence you know in our in my line of work we acknowledge that most men aren't violent but most violent is committed violence is committed by men whether that's yeah. against women and children or against other men and yeah. what what we need is all men to be part of the conversation to change the culture that violence emerges from so yeah it's about bringing people into that conversation like as, as you rightly pointed out quite often we don't explore causatives and ostracize people and that is counterproductive whether that's and that's with anything you know <laughs> like whether that's any anything that's got anything that's emotionally polarizing tends there tends to be some some polarization and some ostracization and that actually doesn't achieve positive changes it just creates yeah. more more dis, dis, dis dissonance and noise and anger and hatred and actually we need to sometimes temper our anger however righteous it might be and this is my personal journey because when i was at university in 26 i was like more painfully self-righteous than i am now (laughs) and and um would just get into like blaming people and shaming people and you're part of the problem you don't do this and actually we need to turn the finger back on ourselves and focus on ourselves first and foremost and do our best to unlearn what we believe needs to be unlearned and reprogram ourselves and then go from there
0: yeah I mean, we've discussed this a little bit, um, that the idea that that we often online in particular lose nuance and, and pragmatism, right? Yeah. And one of the things that's been really, it's been a real thought exercise for me is the idea of punitive justice versus truly restorative justice. And I think our default position is often just to go straight to punishment. Mm. punish the person put them in jail feed them bread and water don't give them any sort of social connection that's probably the worst thing we can do (laughs) and and again it's it's removing culpability from all of us as as part of society so what's your sort of thoughts around that idea of punitive versus you know restoration and rehabilitation
1: yeah i totally agree with you the difficult thing is the application of it because uh so i've spoken in prison a little bit and i've worked with or met men who've been uh responsible for committing terrible crimes like sexual crimes crimes against children and there's a part of me which under fully understands the desire to just you know bring back the death penalty um be punitive to the to the nth degree i actually understand that emotional response but i'm also in this really mm, strange position where I hear all the background of the stories of a lot of the men responsible for committing that violence. And it's like, well, what else were they going to do given the life course that they were set on from the womb? You know, like if if we look at epigenetics, if we look at the family that someone's born into, if we look at fetal alcohol syndrome, if we look at um, structural racism, if we look at economic deprivation if we look at how being traumatized by your own sexual abuse is going to affect you it doesn't yeah. excuse the crimes that you go going to commit but we actually need to address those things if we want to stop those crimes happening in the future yeah. and, and, and just locking people up and throwing them away forever doesn't do that the death penalty doesn't do that there's always going to be someone or someone's taking that place so we really need to I get it, man. Like, if someone offended against someone that I had an emotional connection to, despite all the stuff that I know and I'm talking about with you today, my instant emotional response is to perpetrate some sort of violent justice against them, right? Like, that's where I go to. And I think a lot of us are the same. But that's not the right way. So I have to temper that desire and be like, okay, well, how how do I – how do I help the victim and survivor of whatever the crime might be heal in their journey? So it doesn't continue to uh, impact them. And it's going to take a long time because trauma can go cellular deep yeah. where, and how do I help the perpetrator of that crime also heal, you know? So in a, and I guess in, the- in, a, in, a, in a more practice, sorry, in a more practical sense, you know, I, I did, I've been, I've done, There's there's organizations like Project Restore who do um, restorative justice with uh, survivors and perpetrators of sexual violence where there's this whole process where it brings them into the room together to talk about the impacts and and work towards some healing goal, um, which can be beneficial for some people. Other people, I mean, I'm not saying that some people don't deserve to to go to jail. I I truly believe they do. Some crimes are reprehensible and responsible. Responsibility can emerge from that criminal justice intervention. You know, like that can be a a rock bottom that leads people to, oh, yo, I've got a problem. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, prison's not really, in my understanding of it, and, and having talked to, to having personal friends who've been to prison as well as in a professional space talking with people who are in prison it's not a really great place for healing you know I, no. I gave it, I gave this talk once and I was talking about you know masculinity and the need to be vulnerability and you know we need to put our walls down and then a guy in a prison maximum security prison just goes oh yeah onto it bro but I can't be vulnerable here because I'm surrounded by gangsters all the time and I was like Fair point, <laughs> you know, like exactly. Yeah. So, so it's a tough one. Uh, yeah, but I, I agree with your broader point that we do have too much of a focus on punitive justice, and that stems out from not just our criminal justice system and how we look at some of those broader social issues that we're talking about, but even our our personal l- l- lives. You know, like if, if someone says yeah. the wrong thing on the internet, for example, how do we like? shame that person and make an example of them and like ostracize them forever and do you know what i mean like exactly
0: and 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 that and that
1: doesn't lead to people changing though
0: no and i think that that's also where we need to be really aware of context and Mm. a a good example of that i think is the the debate around justin trudeau at the moment now Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily a fan or an opponent of justin trudeau i just don't know enough about canadian politics right now because i don't live there anymore right (laughs) yeah yeah but the the brown face debacle Mm -hmm. if we look at it in the context of right now we would say well at best that's probably tone deaf Mm. right but if we look at even five or ten years ago it's it's not that it was right because it wouldn't have been a matter of right or wrong. It just wouldn't have been something that an average everyday person would have probably thought exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we've all been, you know, we we've all done things like that in the past. Not necessarily that, but you know, we've all done things that today we would look at and say, well, that's probably pretty fucked up. <laughs> but in the context of the time, it, it wouldn't have been. And to have someone now drag that up and Yeah, dude. absolutely vilify someone is 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 problematic and i think a lot of that again stems from a removal of culpability because the outrage culture that we have i think there's a big difference between what you talk about and what we've discussed before which is justifiable outrage Mm. versus just absolute outrage in which we just cut people off
1: dude there's a huge difference between bill Cosby and harvey weinstein who've committed crimes of of rape and sexual violence historically and now that's coming to the light we just, they, like, that's a cause for outrage. And Absolutely. That, deserves, that deserves, like, criminal justice intervention and, you know, like, I hope survivors and come forwards and press charges and yada, 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 like, but that's different from, I believe, what you're saying, yeah, sure, Justin Trudeau in, in brown, real blackface is, that's offensive now. But I agree that you're right in that, historically, we didn't think about that, you know, like, it's as we come to consciousness that we can take responsibility for what we didn't know. But the fact is we don't know what we don't know a lot of the time, you know, yeah. it's not, and, and, and being like, he's a racist today, I think is unfair and a mischaracterization of who he, who he may be, you know? Yeah. And also like, I don't know, I don't know when that photo was taken or whatever it was probably 10 or 20 years ago or whatever. And like, I am sure people, such as Justin Trudeau, myself, yourself, we grow a lot from who we used to be. You know, like my whole, you know, like a lot (laughs) of the work that I do is based on mistakes that I've made. When I'm talking about mental health, you know, that's a, a lot of that stems from like bad personal decisions that I made a long time ago before I didn't know what I know now. You know, we need to allow people to learn in their recovery. We need to allow people to learn from the mistakes they made and if we are truly <clears throat> progressive people who want a more equitable, kind and more just world, we need to actually temper our desire for change with compassion at the same time instead of holding people up as the enemy. I think there's a lot of people who find their identity, at least their identity online, in the othering of people who've got different worldviews or different experiences. <clears throat> and they get a lot of validation from being the one to bring someone down a peg or call them out. And they're like the hero on the internet for however, do you know and, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and And that's actually just doesn't actually do much though, because um, we already have too much distance between people. We actually need to bring people closer together. You know, we live in a really atomized, isolating society and that's not how humans are designed to be. And yet, unfortunately the <clears throat> internet for all its wonder, like, The internet has got great powers for creating positive social change. It's it's also at the same time, like further disenfranchising us. So I think when you think about people who have made a stupid joke or worn blackface or whatever it might have been, I think we need to like take it in context, as you say, Cliff, and 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 look at the nuances and look at the finer details of that you know like like matt i think it was matt damon or someone got in trouble who said for saying we need to look at there's a difference between wolf whistling at someone and and making someone feel uncomfortable and raping them and 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 that is true you know like both are wrong but we don't need to put someone in jail or thing at someone we need to be like hey man <laughs> did you consider that that made someone feel scared or intimidated or objectified and there's a power dynamic with that that you need to be mindful of and you probably didn't know that bro at the time that you did that because you're a product of your environment and you're a product of the culture that we live in that has taught you to objectify women and, and, yeah. and, and, and that sort of conversation will make a person shift rather than
0: shaming them it, it. exactly and I, I think you know that the word that word is apt right conversation i think often there's not enough conversation there's too much immediate vilification and it comes from this this absolutist idea that that is bad wrong and so yeah. basically you're wiped off at that point
1: yeah Can, cancel culture is a thing you know like cancel that person's done you know like how to remove them from public life and de-platform them and i'm like
0: that's actually I don't think that's fair a lot of the time yeah we we had a discussion on the hpn uh members group so it's an it's a closed group Mm -hmm. um so i won't go into too much detail because obviously we keep that sort of private but it was basically about the idea that there were children who were giving speeches about um veganism Mm. and how you know people should switch to veganism for all these various reasons and but that the, the sort of point of contention was they, they were saying that meat is murder. Mm. And um, I have a t-shirt that says that. It's a classic line from the Smith song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, but people were sort of saying, well, these kids shouldn't be allowed to say that and the teacher should have stepped in and things like that. And uh, you know I'm, I'm an omnivore, obviously mm. and quite proudly so, but you, I stepped used in be, th- you used to be vegan though, right? I think when I met you, you, had a I was, wish. I was practically vegan. I wasn't a hundred percent vegan because I don't eat a lot of eggs, mm. um, but I do have some milk, but I had drifted towards not having milk or, or any dairy either mm. because um, it, it was sort of affecting my Crohn's. So for, sure. I, I was a strict vegetarian for about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. I probably that, yeah. for a couple of those, I was vegan. Um mm. uh, yeah, I went back for various reasons, which we mm. can talk about, but, I sort of stepped into these threads and said, Hold on, I think we need to allow kids in particular, anyone really, but kids in particular to explore this. Because I was that person saying yeah, yeah. meters murder and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. We need to allow people to explore and discuss openly and and say somewhat controversial things, but as long as it's not becoming ad hominem, I think that there is there is value to having um robustness you know actually. R- robust discussion exactly because we can't just shut people off we can't censor people because then we've got this this moralistic right versus wrong mm. and, and that's too gray because life is nuanced mm. and and hey man like
1: what's right what's true for me isn't always gonna be tr- what's true for you you know like i think we need to learn to live to i think we need to learn to live in agreeing to disagree somewhat you know like there's yeah, yeah. for our own personal peace of mind you know like you can spend your whole life trying to convince people that your way of doing things is the best way of doing things i think there are absolute truths that we need to accept this is sexism this is racism um etc etc this is this is this is what classism is like but there is nuance within that there is nuance within that but uh you know there those those things I would argue are always gonna be inherently uh wrong and we should absolutely rail against them. How they yeah. manifest yeah, that's where the nuance is. Is saying guys is addressing a mixed sex crowd, is that an example of sexism or is that just how the language is shaped? Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. Yeah. Like think, but, <laughs> but if,
0: if we but, couldn't have that discussion because someone was saying, no, I know. it's wrong. Yeah. You can't say lies.
1: Yeah. 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 I know. And, and that's the thing because, ah, oh, dude, it gets tricky, man. Like, but you know, there were, you know, there are absolutes in, in that too, you know, like we don't <laughs> use the N word and yada, 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 yada when you are talking about racism. And, and yeah. I think, um, I think you're right in that young people all people should be allowed to bring those conversations to the fore and we should have those conversations but it's how you do it like increasingly i'm learning it's not what we're saying but how we're saying that you know i was just watching some the latest viral outrage video of some vegan protesters who stormed into a restaurant with like signs and placards and you know people were just having dinner and uh a, a grown man like assaulted this Woman, like punched in the face, and wow. yeah, which is wrong. And I hope he gets yeah. you know. When we're thinking about criminal justice sanctions, I think he deserves a, for a criminal justice sanction, you know. But at the same time, and this is not victim blaming. I'm just saying, if you want people to go vegan, storming into their fucking restaurant and telling them that they're terrible people isn't going to do it. That's actually not going to do it. They're just going to think you're lunatic fringe, and and yeah. and and. There are better ways to draw attention to your cause than
0: making people yeah. feel bad about themselves for things they've probably not considered even that i'm somewhat on the fence about i think probably that's a slightly extreme example but you know the the protesters in the supermarket
1: oh yeah sure these were the same protesters or at least the, I, same,
0: the same organization i, I kind of think that's from my point of view that's almost justified to go into a supermarket and protest so long as you're not you know hurting anyone um, it's also justified for the supermarket to say, okay, enough's enough. You're trespassing, get out. Yeah. And, you I, know, I, I think it's kind of, it's all good in my opinion.
1: Right? Well, this is interesting because I've been a vegetarian for 20 years, you know, like, uh, and I, I've never fully met. I've, are, are you I, vegan? No, no, people think I'm vegan because I eat a lot of vegan food and I'm like, hashtag vegan because like, because <laughs> different companies send me vegan products and I, I eat a lot of vegan food, but I'm not strict vegan. You know, like yeah. I, 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 for a range of reasons, you know. But um, I'm endeavouring to be more vegan, and, and, and that's easier and easier as restaurants emerge and products emerge and yada yada yada. But I'm not strict vegan. I never have been. I just eat, eat a lot of vegan food. You know. Uh, and
0: what, what's your primary? Gym. What's your primary motivation for that? For for eating more vegan food for for being vegetarian for being vegan for sort of moving oh, yeah sure. it that way
1: yeah cool man so when i was like got into the the, the new york hardcore scene and the, which is hardcore is a style of music that comes from the punk scene it's real funny because i have to do this, this like explain the, the explain this all the time now because now i'm an educator around pornography and, and once someone was like former former sex former sex performer and porn actor Richie Hardcore, and I, I, I legally changed my name to Hardcore, right? Like it's my middle yeah. name. I'm Richie Hardcore Stewart, right? Yeah. And someone like, people in that space think that I used to be a in hardcore porno. I'm like nah, dude. Like Hardcore is music wow. style. I did a radio show called Viva La Hardcore. Hardcore is my <laughs> ring name. It's all like this funny thing. Anyway. Point being, the hardcore scene used to be very politicized, continues to be politicized, and a lot of the bands were singing about animal rights and, and the environmental impact of them. And it just made sense to me as a young idealistic person that if I want the world to be different uh, and I feel angry about these things, I need to take some actions myself. So, yeah, a lot of the bands were singing about animal rights or rainforests getting deforested and all the shit that is we seeing in the news now 20 years later. Yeah, and, and um, so I started cutting out beef and then chicken and then fish and then shellfish. And then I started looking at, Oh, okay. Well you we should probably not eat tallow and animal fats and then gelatin and rennet and tried to just yeah. reduce my impact. Like none of us are perfect. Everyone's diet, even if you're vegan has some sort of detrimental impact on the world around us. But yep. I wanted to make less of an impact. And, and, and um, so yeah like while just existing i'm bad for the planet i'm trying the best that i can to have a lighter impact on on the earth so there was an environmental component and then man we would watch like vhs videos and stuff of how mainstream agriculture treats animals and it made yeah. me really it just made me really sad emotionally like i would cry like watching earthlings or uh, any of those sorts of documentaries and 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 i was like man like i'm not i'm never going to be perfect everything i do is going to hurt other things but if i can reduce the amount of suffering that i cause other animals like i might as well try yeah yeah so those are my main reasons i don't think uh, being vegetarian or vegan is inherently healthier than having an omnivorous diet um 'Cause I know some real out of shape vegans, man. I'm like, yo, dude, put it on the treats and the carbohydrates, you know. But but um for me, I found that people who just think more explicitly about their diet tend to be healthier. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That that's a big a, a big factor, you know. I think um there's a big debate, you know, currently about the impact of meat on mortality. And I think we're actually missing the point. Uh, I think there are bigger issues, and I think the ecological issues are the ones we really need to be yeah. looking at most. And I think animal welfare is obviously critical to the debate. Um, but I think when it comes to health and, and the impact of red meat in particular on mortality, we're looking at such tiny risk mm-hmm. ratios. Yeah, we can't actually tease out the statistical noise. You know, when when people hear something like you have a 6% increased risk of dying through eating red meat. It's not actually completely accurate. What it means is a 1.06 risk ratio. Mm. And the 95% confidence intervals might be 1.01 to 1.09. What that basically means is that there's there's practically nothing there. And when we start to tease out, like I've done this in some of my reviews of the research, we started to tease out, you know, other confounding influences. Like, let's say you go to your doc. And you've got high cholesterol so they say we should reduce your red meat and also stop drinking so much and stop smoking and exercise more and all this kind of stuff we see a really strong association between people who reduce reduce red meat and improving all other lifestyle factors
1: yeah 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 and it's all of those things right
0: so i'm not advocating for people to just eat lots and lots of red meat what i'm saying is that's probably not the biggest issue what we need to do is eat more plants yeah, yeah, yeah. Base and, our and, diet on that and eat yeah. more nutrient dense foods. Yeah. The ultra refined stuff is our problem.
1: Yeah. And while I have my ethical views around plants and that, eating <laughs> eating lots of plants and that. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, like if you're if I was eating a vegan diet of just fucking burgers and chips, and there's no plant no animals getting killed, it's still gonna be bad for me, right? And I think that's yeah. the thing is that a lot of fast food is Meat-based, like KFC and McDonald's and all of that, but they're starting to put vegan options in there, you know. But the thing is, it's like you can buy a big pen pie at any dairy, and so people tend to do that. It's when you start cutting out yeah. the processed foods that's when your health changes for the better, whether you're eating a, a vegetarian, vegan
0: diet, or a omnivorous diet, right? Exactly, and that's also where I think there's a big overlap between you know, some of the ultra refined, ultra processed vegan foods, I'm, I'm a bit worried about as well, because I've done some analysis whereby the, the cost to life is quite high and the ecological impact is quite high. So, you know, I, if someone's going to go vegan or vegetarian, I'm fully supportive of that. If it's a a natural unprocessed Mm. diet, you know, Um, because you're talking about like, like
1: Beyond Burger or the Impossible Burger and things like that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I did a, um, it was very perfunctory because it's very difficult. I mean, it's so complex, it's very difficult to analyze. But I did an analysis, for example, of soy versus beef. Mm. And the idea was I, I chose soy because it's the most calorific and the highest mm. in protein and stuff like that. So I wanted to have a, a true comparison. I didn't want to compare it to like wheat because that just wouldn't be fair. Mm. And the, the cost to life of beef might be the same or lower than soy. Now, I know that that's a very controversial topic, and I know that that's something that people have discussed ad ad nauseum, right? (laughs) But I think, again, it's the the only reason I posit things like that is purely for discussion point, because I think it's too easy just to jump from a highly processed diet that includes meat to a highly processed diet that includes, say, soy or, or other things, and expect for it to be better when we don't actually know, because monoculture farming is is Pretty damaging as well, ecologically, mm. right? Like in terms of ecosystem damage, monoculture mm. farming is, is is massive. So, what I typically end up going back to—I'm sorry, I'm rambling now—is no, right. I, I think appropriate yeah. appropriate land usage is really important because mm. you know what we've often seen is they we have factory farming of animals, which is abhorrent, and we have land that's forced into various monocultures particularly in places like Africa where it's just unsuitable for that and in the rainforest where it's really unsuitable for that mm. if we were appropriately using land which might include from my point of view some free pasturing on land that's appropriate for it there's mm. actually pretty there's possibly benefits to to having that so i still think that meat should be a smaller portion of the diet when compared to vegetables mm you know like the uc davis research which showed that um pasture in places that are prone to forest fires is a way better carbon sink
1: Mm.
0: and that's because the the pasture can burn off and that's fine it doesn't release as much carbon but the root systems and the carbon sequestering still really high whereas when you burn down a forest it releases so much fucking carbon Mm, and there's not mm, as mm. much sequestered in the land Mm. so that's just an example people have taken that to mean well Pastures better than forests? Well, no, it's not because they didn't read the nuance, which was it's in fire-prone areas. Mm, well, I think speaking about everything that we've been talking about today,
1: there isn't a lot of space for nuance anymore. You know, you know, no, particularly exactly. particularly because so much communication about very complicated ideas, uh, whether it's about social justice issues or dietary issues or animal rights issues, it happens on the internet, where there's no yeah. tone for there's no tone of voice. <laughs> Like, you, and me, I know you personally, like, I love you as a friend, you know, like, I care about your yeah. well-being, you know, but sometimes you and me, I can tell that you're annoyed at me, like, through the internet, you're like, yo, fuck this guy, and I feel, and I'm like, fuck this, like, what's he talking about, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. am I fair in saying that? But if we were having the same conversation in person, we pro- our feelings probably wouldn't rise up like that, and, and I think there's such a, such a problem with this day and age, because it leads to very real mental health struggles for a lot of people yeah and but- and and we need to learn how to i don't i don't know i don't know what the answer is you use emojis more i'm not sure <laughs> like winky face i was joking you know or like yellow heart thing you know like i'm not sure how that how we can have what? these important conversations that we do need to discuss and at the same time do it in a kind way and agree <laughs> to disagree
0: yeah I think one of the the things that this is all leading to, I'm going to say one thing first, though, before okay. I get into that. Um, yeah, you're, you're dead right. And I think, off, like, I've had people say to me, you must hate that Richie guy. Oh, and really? I think, think we're like enemies, right?
1: Because I'm like, well, have you considered this data point? And you're like, have you considered this data point? Yeah, exactly. is yeah right.
0: So people think because we're opposed on some issues. not We're not even opposed. That's what people don't realize. But We just look we at do- it
1: from a different Viewpoint,
0: right? Because we debate some issues, people think, "Oh, you must hate that guy." Yeah. The reality is, when we debate, I might get fucked off with you. Mm. But I'm. I I appreciate. I I, I appreciate you being so honest about it. That's funny. But I I don't. But I don't think you're a fuckwit, right? Yeah. What I'm fucked off is I'm fucked off with you and the fact that I'm feeling something because you've kind of triggered me, right? Yeah. But the reality is that's, I mean, that's good in itself. But we're also taking a step back and saying, well, I love Richard; he's a good guy. Oh, thanks. I and at the think- end, and at the end of the day, if I step back from it, I think, well, what I always do when we have a discussion is I'll always take on board what you say and think, well, how does that challenge well,
1: my you know. beliefs? Mm
0: because my beliefs are my beliefs they're not facts they're my beliefs mm. they might be based on evidence or facts but it's still my interpretation of it so how does that challenge me and hey i could be wrong and i'm, I'm you know prepared to stand up and say the things that i believe to be true particularly with respect to the impact of um animals on the environment mm. i don't know if i'm 100 percent correct mm. I think what I think based on the evidence, but I need people like you to challenge me because then I can actually be more nuanced and be better over time. Mm. And I'm what? the same with,
1: I'm the same with people who disagree with me. Like some not, like broadly speaking, I'm like, okay, well I have not considered that aspect before and yada, 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 and uh, it encourages Even- me to stay curious and to stay open-minded and, like we we're saying earlier you're like no one's got all the answers and you don't know what you don't
0: know and you need to be open open-minded if you want to understand your own values more yeah you know? yeah even really inflammatory things you know i had a um a mutual friend of ours um 80 was being trolled online by uh, a racist right Eighty was really yeah like because she had posted something and he would basically posted back all this apparently research of why black people are less intelligent than oh, God, white hate, people, right? Hate, yeah. And it's crazy. I can you know, feel my
1: emotional response coming up. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I, I
0: immediately start jumping in and defending her, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, or defending the position, you know, because he's he's just wrong. But I still read the stuff that he was posting because I was yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah. you know, where is this coming from? Yeah, yeah.
1: All that scientific racism stuff
0: like Stephen Molyneux and, and all of that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm not a, sci- a social scientist, but at least I have some understanding of, of research and methods and stuff like that. I'd look yeah. at that and say, hold on, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. And that's important to do. I've watched a couple of those videos when I've seen similar situations. Yeah. And I found it really upsetting because I know so many people watch that bullshit and believe it because they don't have critical filters or a social science background and understand context and they understand social causatives of human behavior. Which is my academic leaning? Like I, yeah, I did political science and sociology and shit like that at university, and so I'm also have to be like, I'm privileged enough to have got a fucking higher education. Maybe I shouldn't call this person a fuckwit,
0: you know? Like, that's another thing, right? Privilege doesn't exist apparently.
1: Well, it does though. Even uh, that, I, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know you're kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah no, no, no. I'm, I know that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I didn't have the easiest childhoods. You know, my father's alcoholic. Like, that's very well publicized, and there's a fair degree of dysfunction in my childhood. But even with all of that, I still had a whole bunch of head starts that allowed me to kind of, uh, I guess, yeah, end, end up doing all right, right? Like yeah. I've I've reasonable middle class life, you know, like yeah. I'm, you know, like. I never went been gone hungry, you know. You know, my 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 parents were both very literate and encouraged my literacy and taught me how to use the library and let me read books and bought me books and bought me toys and all this sort of stuff. There are other things that mean that I've had a history of like chaotic romantic relationships, (laughs) due to my internal conditioning. But fucking, you know, on a nuts and bolts privilege level, (coughs) you got to take that shit into account. You know what I mean? And that's all the stuff yeah. that doesn't transmit when we're debating people on the internet you know exactly. and that's a that's a hard thing man like but at the same time like if someone is spreading racist ideology based on faux science we do need to challenge that you know Absolutely. And, and, and but it's how do you challenge it in a way that doesn't create more division that's the fucking hard
0: one i think um one thing that i often post to my groups and to my students and things is the um the wikipedia page on logical fallacies okay yeah like ad hominem and stuff like that you know like all those various things that we can fall into to doing to try and strengthen our position but in fact they're not actually helping the debate
1: no they're not they they look like you're winning but maybe it's not to win maybe we just need to learn to
0: understand more i don't know yeah exactly and i mean what one thing that i think is super interesting in that whole discussion is I, i personally i don't know if you agree with this but i personally believe that intersectionalism is is misunderstood. Okay. Because people kind of think, well, it's just a it's just a sum game of certain things. So if I'm female and I'm black and I'm a lesbian, then I've basically got cumulative disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's deeper than that because I don't think we look at the range of of how intersectional advantage can be. I personally think the biggest advantage someone can have nowadays, the biggest privilege they can have is just purely wealth. Economical. Endemic wealth. Yeah. And fame and celebrity is another massive factor in advantage. And there will be contexts in which certain things that would be systemically or societally disadvantageous are advantageous. Mm very complex but what a lot of people have taken that to mean is that it... anymore a- and i think most of us would agree that that is just empirically false because like you and i growing up as white middle-class men mm. and now you know, I- i'm a white middle-aged man <laughs> yeah, yeah i know I but... pretty much every, every advantage in the world right yeah. and i'm not stupid enough to deny that because implicit bias Exists even if yes. systemic bias has has been broken down a lot, thankfully. Sure. So, so, so what, what's I, I'm not sure if there's a question to that. It was more of a discussion. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was more me just rambling. No, no, no it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 really about that idea of um. What's your take on on that idea nowadays of privilege versus advantage and disadvantage and how some people are positing that that doesn't exist and others are basically making it the the cross on which they they, 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 they,
1: so so are you asking is that um we've we've perhaps focused too much on identity politics rather than socioeconomic class politics is in uh, that we kind of because for me like trying to follow things how we talk about justice I don't see that much of a classist analysis of society in a way that, you know, I'm 39 now. I'm fucking, I'm middle-aged, you know? You're there, brother. Yeah, I know, bro, 40 next year, shit. Uh, well, bro, I'm going to live to 120, so I'm only a third <laughs> of the way through my life. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to get that old, you know? It'll tap me out at 80. Um, you know, when I went through university, and, and, and i and i and i've just been through latin america and i was so um emotionally upset by the poverty i saw the poverty i saw that was uh, a legacy of colonialism and neoliberal capitalism and free markets and fucking all this bullshit i that's what i went to study at uni i wanted to understand why some people are so economically disadvantaged and when there's so much economic injustice and we had this big you know you look at like socialism capitalism and you look at those, and I don't see that discussion as much, at least in the spaces I find myself in online. Yeah. Whereas I do see a big, you know, like identity politics discussions are ubiquitous yeah. now. And while I do agree that uh, with we need to be mindful of like structural intersectional oppressions, there is a degree of like, well, you can be born into an affluent family and be a person of color and be well off compared to someone who's born into disadvantages despite their identity yeah. privileges and yeah. it, it, but broadly across the board i think we need, we need to, to, to speak to those biases that you're talking about you know like yeah you are treated preferentially however subconsciously due to your skin color and your and your sex and your sexuality and we need to I think it's not an either or. I guess that's what I would argue in response yeah. to you. I think it's it's not an either or. We need to take all those things to, into account to get, to figure out why the world is the way it is and look at how do we have interventions that look for not uh, equality of opportunity but equality of outcome. And that means treating people depending on their, I don't know, the situations that they're born into yeah. that are beyond their control, you know? Like I think I'm big on like Affirmative action. I'm big on like uh, funding initiatives that take people who have been historically marginalized out of that context for however long it takes. You know, yeah. You, you could, yeah. You, some people are like, "Well, how long is it going to take until we get over the Treaty of Waitangi?" And I'm like, "Well, fuck, I don't have an answer to that. As but, long as it takes. As long as it takes. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, you don't just." snap out of generations of suffering and abuse and social dislocation and disenfranchisement like that because yeah because of one government policy you know it takes a long long time
0: and we should all we should all be on board with that
1: yeah
0: does that make sense that makes complete sense and i think you've actually described it better than i was trying to right it's that that contextual stuff around various types of advantage and how it's situational I think yeah. is the, the the main thing right it is very situational and that's actually I think that's a really interesting underrecognized factor because for example I was looking at demographics in the. US and although people of color are way overrepresented in poverty statistics,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there are still way more poor white people yeah and as that, a proportion it's yeah. it's a lot lower and so there's a problem there but what that also has meant is that you can see why the rise of someone like donald trump occurred because yeah, he's yeah, such yeah. a populist. yeah yeah
1: yeah that's a really good point it is like a, yeah. a really good point to consider because you are structurally disadvantaged if you're, a, if you're a person of color and you're a much higher representation in all the uh negative social statistics if you think of prison Prison populations, yeah. you think of, like, um, uh, treatment when it comes to arrests by for, like, drugs, you know? Like, you can be, if you're arrested and you're white and you're arrested if you're a person, if you're black, and you're far more likely to go to jail for exactly the same drugs if you're black. And that's yeah. a gross injustice, and we need to change the world so that doesn't happen. But you're right. By weight of numbers, there is still a whole bunch of white people who – have been shut out of the system or fallen through the cracks yeah. and are recreating cycles of trauma or whatever it is. And we forget about that because statistically, right. Is that what that's the yeah. point? You yeah. And, and so you're exactly. right. And that's how, that's how you get <clears throat> Donald Trump's in power. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good point, Cliff. That's a really and, good point.
0: And I it's, think it also I don't, means I don't
1: have an answer for that though, apart from looking at some more of their, how do you create a more equitable uh, economic system? So the one yeah. is, in, is in fucking running the ship.
0: Yeah. And I think with, with identity politics, the way it, it is, I think often, as I think you suggested, we're actually missing what the next clear and present danger, which is going to be, is that we do have increasing wealth disparity. Oh, ever increasing. It's
1: insane. Like if you can yeah. track that from... 1973 onwards you know if you look at like reaganomics sachenomics rogeromics here in new zealand all those yep. neoliberal policies that's the sort of stuff that i was interested in when i was doing my my university studies and i'm not a fucking genius like i'm not an economist or anything like that i just have like a degree of working knowledge but that's the stuff that i think we do need to look at you know we've yeah. been talking about mental health we've been talking about all these sorts of things there is a huge and growing body of data that looks at that inequality, that, that inequality economically within a society, which you have to then add all those structural identity politics oppressions on top of that leads to poor outcomes. But that inequality in and of itself, taking away people's skin color, yada, 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 leads to a yeah. whole range of like mental health issues, violence issues, substance abuse issues. Uh, and then, And then on top of that, then you've got how do we treat people of sexual minorities or well, we treat them worse. How do we yeah. treat people of color? We treat them worse. How do we treat women? Yeah. We treat them worse. You know, like, so it's a super layered thing and it shouldn't be one of the other, but quite often it becomes positioned as one or the other. Yeah. I think people don't know how to, how, is concurrent the right word? Hold those conversations concurrently or at this. Yeah. At, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause we can address economic inequality in a shitty economic system at the same time as addressing racism and sexism, and we need to. And and there are overlaps between that. Like if like a like black woman get paid less than white woman, like that's a simple yeah. one. You know, like how do you fix that so that you've got the economic equation, but at the same time you've got the um, the racial equation addressed too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to as. I guess people who want the world to be better can we? Well, I guess we're on the, all on the same team with that. Like,
0: I, I mean, hope so. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. There are people who argue against this. There are people who are like, fucking structural racism is not a thing. People argue that. People argue yeah. that that we have gender equality. People are like, why why do we have International Women's Day? We don't have International Men's Day. You know, like <laughs> there are fucking a million people like that. You know, like, yeah. there are hundreds of millions. There are fucking billions of people like that.
0: who are, And under- maybe that's growing.
1: Yeah, and the internet doesn't help with it, unfortunately. Because if you're lonely and you're fucking on the internet all the time and you're stressed out and you're poor and you don't have an education and then here's some yeah. meme and here's some tropes and here's some clever guy on the internet who sounds real smart on his YouTube channel and you can get drawn into that, then it just—it's yeah. a radicalization that that goes through that 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 um, that goes through those channels, you know, like people getting shifted one way or the other, but yeah, via I don't know misinformation that's intentional and that's that's really dangerous.
0: And I think we need to understand those those particular situations. Like I, I um, I've had many discussions about this with my old man. He, um, you know, came from a poor working class family up north. Mm but he's white, right? But he was frustrated when he was younger and he understands that there's more to it now, but he was frustrated when he was younger because he was from a poor family. My granddad shoveled coal in Mm. the railway yards, you know, and um, when he went for a bank loan, he couldn't get one, Mm. but there were dispensations for Māori from the area who could get easier bank loans. Mm. And he can obviously see the broader social context for that, but on an individual level, he still felt like, shit, they're we're all from the same school, Mm. you know, we live in the same Mm -hmm. houses, and I'm not afforded the opportunity. Now, I think you and I would agree that, hey, there there needs to be that affirmative action. Mm. But we can also understand on an individual level why some people would not benefit from that as well. And that's one of the inconvenient truths of trying to lift things up. I know, that's a hard one. I don't have an answer to that. But he would still benefit implicitly, and we've had many discussions at length about this, him and I, from being a white male. Yes,
1: yeah. So he does, he there's going to be. be
0: some... Yeah, totally,
1: yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's a, an interesting thing about New Zealand. I'm, I think your family history probably is a, a, um, indicative of this as well. I was looking back through some of the demographic data in the UK from sort of 100, 100 200 years ago, mm-hmm. and there were very few people of color in the UK, mm. right? The the black population in, in the UK was very low until there was the diaspora back from the West Indies and th- places like that. Mm-hmm. Um, previous to that, there were only a couple of thousand black people in the UK. Okay. So because of that, there was actually very little uh, you know, day-to-day racism based on color. That's actually something that's come more from the US experience because it was very much framed with respect to color there most of the uh, discrimination was ethnicity based, you know, against say Jews or against Romani people and and based on classism. Yeah. Where I'm going with this is it's interesting because obviously on my mom's side, I'm Romani. They, um, my grandparents came out here from the UK and they would have, particularly my grandmother and her forebears would have suffered extreme institutional racism in the UK But coming across here, where it wasn't really a thing to be a gypsy, Mm. you're basically, you're just English. They benefited from being white English people. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting nuance, too, because if you don't look like something,
1: Mm. you don't necessarily
0: suffer the implicit bias. Uh,
1: Yeah, but internally you have a thing, right? Like you, your perception of the world is still Romani. Like you feel affronted when people say the word gypsy and, a, and, an, and,
0: and and you're cognizant of all these sorts of things. You know what I mean? Well, in, in an appropriate sense, and mainly because um, there is still, like in Europe, Romani people are the most Cause, disadvantaged. Yeah, exactly. Like ninety percent of romany at risk of poverty versus I think twenty percent of other Europeans.
1: Yeah, and because like, I because my mother's family is from Lebanon, right? I look <clears throat> white. I mean, I get a great fucking tan in summertime. So look, <laughs> thanks, to, thanks, thanks to my Lebanese heritage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my slick back hair, my pension for kickboxing. You know, like, um, and 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 my grandfather who's one hundred percent Lebanese, like, did experience like. A hard time based on his race at high school in the fucking uh, I don't know how should he pass, but do you know what I mean? Like and like when nine eleven happened, my family did you get treated different at the airport? <laughs> like seriously, yeah, it, yeah, it, because of the way that they looked and with in and some of my extended family, uh, 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 like first generation immigrants and 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 have you know. Lebanese citizenship or passports or whatever the fuck, you know, but I don't look Lebanese so I don't, I get treated preferentially as a white person, right? But at the same time, I'm still cognizant of how it feels to be discriminated against. Like when I lived in Melbourne a long time against uh, I used to live in Australia and casual racism there about Lebanese people, Arab people this is like next level dude at least in yeah at least when i were where i used to work which was yeah like this dead end job and i for the first time in my life because it's not a thing here in new zealand uh i've never been around people who like lebo is this and waltz that but then i it really upset me and i got in some gnarly arguments like yo fuck you man like because my family's like that <laughs> do you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. like And then, and then, and I'm actually grateful that for that experience because it makes me think of how people of color in New Zealand must feel when we use racial epithets and casual racism around like Pacific Islanders and Māori and you know, like it makes me think of that. And so, while I'm structurally advantaged because I'm white passing, even though I identify as Lebanese, Pakia, like I think it's important to fucking have had those diff- those difficult conversations. Like, hey, man, when you say wog or when you say lebos, like in the context that you're using it, it's offensive and diminutive
0: and, and yeah. stereotypical. Does that it's make- a really, really good point, yeah. And I think that's a, an interesting distinction between the, the structural advantage that we might experience because of the way, way we look, we, we look at and are perceived yeah. versus that justified outrage on behalf of you know people we know or yeah. people in the well, world that are still happening to and...
1: that's the other thing it is people you know like yeah okay so you and me are white passing we have all these privileges because because we're white uh, you know like i've had a number of like long-term romantic relationships with people of color like like people i like love profoundly and uh have told me about what it was like to be called a a racist term as a child and how that's impacted them or what growing up in the fucking 80s and 90s was like and there's no people of color on in advertising on the tv in positive ways and how that impacts your self-esteem and uh, like i personally really empathize with how that must feel and i know explicitly how that's impacted these people's lives and um it, it makes me angry on their behalf when i encounter racism and I think yeah. I think people like us who do have an, an advantage in life because we're white, we we're we're required to use that privilege. You know, like yeah. I don't always get it right. Like I don't necessarily always have the language or knowledge, but I feel like at the same time if someone's being racist, like you encountered on the internet the other day, we should challenge that and push back against that. Because we do have those structural advantages and do people do treat us differently because of being white fucking men, you know, like the the fact that I do so much work in in, in feminist spaces, it's not lost on me that feminists have, who are women have been saying the same shit I've been saying in perhaps slightly different terms for a long time. But I get a lot more cut through, particularly with men, because I'm a man, and it's, yeah. and, and that and I and that sucks. But I need to use my privilege. Uh, to, to that end until that changes. And 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 sometimes people take that the wrong way, like you're trying to, like, own the space. But I was just watching an interview with one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter the other day, and they were like, look, racism, we need white people to use their voice. You know, I've heard a million and one, like, active feminists say we need men to use their voice. And so if you yeah. have privilege, like you and I have privilege, I think we need to use it mm, to the betterment of, society not for our own self-aggrandizement and our own ego and our own validation and I think that's something that I'm mindful of of checking because you do get like a lot of people like oh you're so great I wish all men would say shit like that it's like yo that's not why I'm doing this I'm not doing this because I want to impress you I'm doing it because I've talked to a million and one women have told me about being sexually assaulted or They're scared, or yada yada yada, and I want it to change. You know, I want my I want my stepson to grow up in a world where women don't feel like that. I want him
0: to grow up where he can be a better man. He can be a better man.
1: I want a role model of that. You know, like yeah, and I want people of color to not have to put up with fucking racist jokes and not getting a bank loan. I mean, it's an interesting one what you talked about, but you know, like we do preferentially treat white people in the criminal justice system and. Yep. I want all that shit to change, man. And so I think if we can have a million and one constructive conversations when we have the opportunity, it's part and parcel of making that
0: world, right? I hope. And I think
1: that... <laughs> I've spent a lot of time and energy doing it, so <laughs> I, I fucking over to something.
0: Well, it's a function of the way society is now, that there is going to be extraordinary benefit from someone like yourself, maybe someone like me, but oh, yeah, probably but even more t- so someone like you who who is you know un- unashamedly a a man yeah. right and i'm not saying that in a i'm saying that in a somewhat trite way but you know um the societal perception of a man someone who's been a fighter and an athlete oh, yeah, yeah. you know all that kind of stuff
1: tattoos yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah because yeah. i think one of the challenges we possibly have now and you might disagree is that there is a, a, a worrying rise i think in the whole sort of alpha male type archetype movement right mm. where you've got to be alpha you've got to be better than the beta man and you've got mm. to be a, a real hyper masculine kind of asshole to to be a man mm. and i always just laugh like i, I was talking about this with Bella the other day someone posted something on a thread that i was involved in about you know Keeping alpha or whatever and i clicked on his profile and it was like really horrible <laughs> misogynistic shit yeah so i didn't want to get into an argument with the dude so i just said don't be scared bro it's going to be okay yeah um because it's like what the fuck are you trying to do yeah you know? i think
1: there's a real yeah i think a lot of men are being really challenged by our deconstruction of stereotypical masculinity and say so they're over alphaing, <laughs> you know but it, the thing is it's like everything it's not one or the other you can still like fucking drinking beer and Having ca- and having <laughs> and having casual sex and in a respectful, decent kind way. I don't know the other. I a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Me too.
0: I love uh, my girlfriend. They yeah. For me.
1: And um, and lifting weights and doing stereotypically male-associated things, and at the same time be respectful of women and be vulnerable and nurturing and do your fair share of shit around the house and fucking be a, a broader conception of what it is to be a man and basically that's just being a person that's good but quite often do you know what i mean like we gender yeah. we gender way too many behaviors and i think i think it's all getting a bit confused people are getting a bit confused and then getting messed up and saying like on well, one end it's like people are mixing up gender and sex which are quite different things like male bodies yeah yeah, yeah from female bodies in and, yeah. and and we need to acknowledge that in some circumstances, like sport, for example, I would yeah. argue. And yeah. and at the same time, when it comes to behaviours, men cry, boys cry, men get sad, women are assertive and leaders. And we need to not gender those sorts of things. You know what I mean? Where like, yeah. We shouldn't call girls bossy for being assertive. We shouldn't call guys. We shouldn't but, call yeah. boys girls for crying. You, you know
0: yeah so yeah yeah
1: I think that pushback of all the men's rights movement and fucking incels and like really really ugly stuff um I, yeah that that's that, that that deeply embedded patriarchy that pushback it's yeah I'm not, I, that worries me it worries me that there are huge segments of the internet where men are talking about methodologies to gaslight woman and fucking what do you call it um neg is that whole like neg yeah like,
0: that's all that gaming neg. yeah
1: all that gaming all that all these weird ways to like get women into bed and to use them for sex like that's really hateful and patriarchal and misogynistic And you know and i'm trying to figure out like what happened in those people's lives that they've got such a warped view about women and sex and relationships and i do understand some of it
0: they've probably been hurt
1: yeah but it, yeah a lot of them may may well have been but which of us hasn't
0: you know? yeah, exactly what's well, a negative reaction, well, the negative to, reaction to that it's right. not
1: like i've never had a woman hurt my feelings but at the same time i've hurt women's feelings like i've not, exactly i've i'm a human being man i've made mistakes i've been hurtful i've done hurtful actions things are a regret. but at the same time i've endeavored to learn from those mistakes and be a better better man and a better person and a bit of boyfriend and in the future and and, and some yeah. people just like they quit out and then they become join a weird fucking online hate group you know and it's yeah. like how does that happen and yeah i worry about that and again it goes back to this theme through our conversation today is like a lot of this stuff is virtual you know like that whole incel <clears> movement <throat> is virtual but it leads to yeah. it leads to real life violence it leads to people yeah. in those movements taking extreme actions, you know? Like, the Christchurch shooter, you know? That? Yeah. Is from the limited amount that I understand, like, a lot of his ideology stems from involvement in movements that have a strong base online. And, you yeah. know, he even, like, streamed his fucking massacre to... Like a first-person shooter Like game. a first-person shooter game to a virtual audience and was validated yeah. for that. So we, we really need to, like figure out like how do we put a stop to that stuff
0: i mean just an aside to that is uh, on looking at a few of these sites and things it also seems to me to be incredibly exhausting
1: (laughs) that's the thing people people are fucking hooked on the internet people are lonely people are lonely dude people are lonely and they'll come home and they'll get on this fucking thing and stay there for hours you know And, and and then they'll wake up go to the job that doesn't really fulfill them. They'll wake up single. They'll wake up like with all these gaping emotional holes that we know we can fill with human connection, exercise, meaningful purpose, volunteering, getting into nature more. Massive. You know, like we can fill those holes, but in a positive way that builds us up. But quite often what's easiest is to jump on the internet and then you go down some rabbit hole, and then you're on that enough, and it kind of is the self fulfilling prophecy. I feel like yeah. this, and here's a guy on the internet who's good with words pointing out all the reasons that I'm right for feeling like this, and that's yeah, exactly. really damaging. There, I've read yeah. some quite interesting articles about how even the YouTube algorithm can lead people down with the sidebar rabbit holes from one viewpoint that you know, you start looking at Jordan Peterson, and then you're looking at Stephen yeah. Molyneux, and then you're looking at some fucking Nazi sites. You know, like it's it's just descend into the darkness, and we need yeah. to figure out a way to like bring people into the light. And I'm not entirely
0: well, sure how to do that. It's a, it's also that the the headlines and the the narrative itself are controversial by nature because that drives clicks, obviously. Yeah, no, even mainstream revenue.
1: media, even mainstream media, like our biggest news organizations, will find the most inflammatory pullout quote and click yeah. then you know what we live in a society where motherfuckers don't even read the whole story anymore so someone can get completely <laughs> taken out of context by a headline and like the first paragraph and i just want to yep. say i'm sorry i said motherfuckers i apologize it's a word that
0: i'm trying don't, to don't apologize on this <laughs> well
1: i'm trying to i'm trying to take the gender out of that i'm trying to just say, uh, I see, right. i'm trying to just say fuckers you know but hey yeah, I, yeah. I, you know i'm it's, i'm trying to there's that's discriminatory yeah. against people who like to have sex a lot <laughs> i'm <laughs> trying to cha- i'm trying to change that term of phrase yeah yeah anyway but yeah it's, it's a hard one like mainstream media has got a lot to answer for when it comes to the polarization and and real violence that emerges from that because yeah they're part of the problem with the way that they get you know, with the way they monetize outrage
0: and i think the um I'll tell you a little story. Actually, I think this is really cool. I was having a a pretty hard time. It was probably a few months ago now. I had one of my sort of dips. You know, I've had bipolar and had a bit of a dip, and you know, stopped sort of training and just just wasn't well, right? So um, I, I felt like I needed, as I started to come back a little bit, needed to get out of the house and see my community again and shit like that. So I went back to jujitsu mm-hmm. and. Uh one of the guys there, I had a bit of a heart to heart with him, and he said, Oh, you should read this book, Lost Connections. Have you oh. you read it by Johan Hari? I'm 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 like
1: biblical to that book. I'm like, hey, take
0: one. You know, like I love that book. <laughs> Such yeah. a good book, yeah. right? And I know you know it's been criticized because not everything it says is a hundred percent correct, but who gives a fuck? I mean, and on I balance it's a, I think it's on good. balance, it's brilliant. Yeah. Scientifically valid. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a really good book, but it was really interesting that I went to what some people see as a hyper masculine community and it's not and chatted with a dude who is a like legit high level fighter about my feelings. And he recommended a book, which was fucking (laughs) awesome. Yeah. And it helped to kickstart this thing. And it was indicative of the book's theme itself, which is real connection. Yeah, exactly. So that's been a, a bloody good theme for the day, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing, though. People are like, oh, if you're into martial arts, you're into weightlifting, you can't talk about A, B, and C. But that's wrong. You know, like, I think yeah. we all need to, I think we all need to not just, if we're going to try and summarize this, we need to, like, all not just judge people on a surface level and also allow people to be complete and whole human beings across a broad spectrum of feelings and behaviors and, and beliefs. And, what might appear on the surface to be paradoxical actually isn't. You can be into A, B, and C, and at the same time have belief system A, B, and C. It's not yeah. one or the other. And I'm thinking people are constantly trying to simplify their experience of the world and put people into boxes and and blame and shame and attack based on those boxes rather than be compassionate and, and yeah. broad-minded. And and the internet is part and parcel of that. Um and and exacerbates that, and man, we need to we need to reflect on that and 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 adjust ourselves accordingly. Every time we yeah. read something and we see someone's profile and it fits a box, maybe we need to like bite our fingers for a minute before we say fuck you, and and, and reflect on what did you mean by that, or yeah, why, yeah. why do you think that, or what leads you to say that, and then go from there.
0: And and you can disagree with someone and still respect them. Or, Case in or point. similarly, you, you yeah. can not disa- you can disagree with someone on most things, and also see where they've provided value. Well,
1: what's this, what, what? do we want to do? Do we just want to hang out with people who are fucking like clones of us? Like, no way. Like, I think diversity leads to a a, a, a richer hu- human experience. Like, yeah, I'm a fucking feminist, vegetarian, nearly vegan, sometimes teetotaler. Like, who the fuck am I going to hang out with? You know, like, if I didn't hang out with people, like, who are different to me. Like, most of my friends have got different values. My girlfriend has different values to me. Like, you know, like, the people I care about the most have different values and lifestyles to me. Good number of my friends use way too many drugs, and I wish they wouldn't for their own sake, but it doesn't mean I love them any less. You know, good number of my friends, most of my friends fucking eat me. Most of my friends, blah, 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 blah. doesn't mean I don't love them. Yeah, I feel a, a bit alone and a bit isolated sometimes. And, but at the same time, like... Um, but
0: you connect with what's most important. Yeah, I connect with the, the humanity. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, some point, we can have an intelligent discussion. You're a vegan feminist teetotaler. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> meat-eating, beer-drinking... Moderate. Beer drinking, drinking. moderate.
1: Beer
0: drinking, yeah, <laughs> moderate, very moderate actually, and yeah. and entheogen using yeah. person,
1: e- exactly, and
0: yeah, I think it's a good note to finish on. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um,
1: thank you for thank you for being it, interested in talking with me. It's been really cool. There's, really there's one final this.
0: question that I've I've started asking people based on. I did a podcast with uh, Danny Lennon had me on his podcast a little while back, and he uh, asked a really cool question, which I've started asking all my guests as well which is that if you could, out of all the things that people could do to improve their lives, if they had to choose just one, so there's just one thing they could start to implement in their daily lives to improve their happiness, their their lives in general, what would that be in your opinion? I'd be better with money. Interesting.
1: Because I'm really good with, I see a psychologist most weeks, I eat really well, I exercise daily, I'm emotionally vulnerable, I have pretty good social connections. What is a constant source of stress and leads me to work too much is that while I am uh, capable of earning money and my life's reasonably comfortable, I'm not very good at saving money (laughs) or using it fairly. So, like, as soon as I get, like, a windfall, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm off to UFC Melbourne on a week's notice, you know? (laughs) And my life is fun and, and cool and shit like that, but I'm getting older and I don't own a home and I don't have a huge share portfolio and... I'm responsible for a child and I want some degree of economic stability. So I don't have to work as much as I do. Yeah. And I think that ties into the fact that I am a bit of a workaholic and that is a common feature of adult children of alcoholics. Um, Uh, Interesting. So so, yeah, totally. You know, like I think in in a way I've kept myself emotionally safe throughout my life by being incredibly busy. I don't use alcohol and drugs and other things that are more dangerous, but I keep an emotional distance between myself and all people by being physically unavailable due to time constraints. And so, yeah, I'll spend all my money and then work more and then it's a cycle. So I think if I was better at not creating an environment of economic scarcity, I might work Mm. less and at the same time have more money in the bank to buy
0: a house with one day. Interesting, that's incredibly insightful. That's um, an answer I haven't had yet, but obviously financial insecurity is uh, has a massive association with mental health and, and even with physical health. So that's incredibly insightful. So thank you for sharing Oh, wow. It's that's oh, wow. kind of a, a call to action i think for everybody if
1: you're a financial advisor out there <laughs> help me save money yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Con- for, for muay thai yeah season. yeah i'll teach you muay time <laughs> i'll
1: come speak at your business about how to be healthy you can help me like uh Save some of that money that you pay me. Yeah. Hey, brother. Um, What's I just up? I just want to say it's been really cool, man. And and, and uh,
0: thank you for the it's opportunity. Been awesome, Richie. You. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I have a, a vast list of other topics that we <laughs> could have talked about. So I'll have to get you back on at some stage. But I, I really appreciate it. it. Yeah. Um, if anyone listening out there wants to catch up with Richie and what he has to say, remember he's speaking at the Well Fed event in New Plymouth in just a few weeks time so check that out i'll post up the link to that in the show notes and also the link to richie's site and all the cool stuff that he does thank you brother thank you bro nice to talk with you okay awesome bro bye thanks Thanks for listening to the carb appropriate podcast to support the podcast and receive member only benefits along with free articles go to cliffharvey.com subscribe to the podcast on all popular podcast channels and to our YouTube channel at holisticperformance.tv